This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Everything is mine in you. Even when my heart is breaking, everything is mine in you. Even when my hands are empty, everything is mine in you. Everything is mine in you. I can trust you with my longing. Everything is mine in you. Even when the road is lonely, everything is mine in you. Draw me near 
Well, a good morning to all of you. It's good to be here among you on this nice, chilly morning. And I uh, hope the fires of God are burning in your heart. It's an honor to be asked to fill in for my illustrious brother. I mean that sincerely. And we're anxious for him to get off that disabled list. And uh, in the uh, pastor's prayer partner time today, Doug uh, asked him, Steve rather, asked him if he had anything to say. It was like he was shot out of a catapult. I think he's just one pent-up message ready to, to bring forth. So we're trusting the Lord will allow him to be released this uh, coming week and be back to us in the pulpit next week. I'm sharing with you from the book of Numbers today the setting of this particular message and this episode in the life of Israel is that point in time when the uh, Israelites had been led to Kadesh Barnea. Those of you who are familiar with the story of Israel will know that after decades, in fact centuries of slavery, God had raised up Moses and uh, used him as the great emancipator, leading the children of Israel, and we'll not go into all those details at this point, led them through the Red Sea and on a fairly direct course, led them to the borderland of what we called, or they called, Canaan, which was the land of promise. And it was there God intended for them to pass on through into a time of incredible opportunity, conquest, and battle. Isn't it sometimes true that those things go together. Opportunity, conquest, battle. Often we do not take territory without there being a bit of a conflict. But uh, God said to Moses, I want you to appoint uh, a representative from each tribe. We call them the, the spies. And send these twelve up into Canaan to spy out the land and bring back what I have chosen to call a field report. What, uh, what will we expect? What are we to discover once we enter the land of promise? Now, what an exciting time this must have been. Here they were on the cusp of seeing the fulfillment of a prophecy that had been given their ancestor Abraham, or Abram even as he was known then, some 600 years previously. And in all these decades and centuries, they had anticipated, when will this time come? When will this promise be fulfilled that was given to our ancestor Abram? that God would make him the father of a nation. And we are that nation. And you will recall 
that the twelve went up. Now that's the background of our setting uh, and message today. And we will read now from verse 1 of chapter 13. I think it's on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am given, giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So, at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders in Israel. Then skipping on to verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at, at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But, oh, that that word wouldn't have been inserted in there. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites lived in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread, them, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Isn't it something how negativity can be contagious? Optimism can be contagious too, by the way. They spread about a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Enoch. Uh, come, uh, the, the descendants of Enoch come from uh, the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. <laughs> And we look the same to them. They were seeing themselves not as God saw them. They saw them in their own weak humanity. Which in some sense is a good thing. But in this case, it was tragic. So why, I've often asked, did God send these spies or direct Moses to send them there into Canaan. I do think sometimes, dear friends, he tests our faith. Uh, I think that was the case. After all that I've done for you, after the miraculous delivery, do you really trust me? Do you really believe that I'm able? And so Moses sends them to bring back a kind of what, in the military jargon, this is called a field report. Advanced troops go forth and uh, bring back uh, an assessment of the lay of the land and what they may encounter from their enemies. 
So the question arises, what kind of field report did uh, these 12 spies bring back to Moses? Well, we're going to try to answer that today. And the first that I would declare about that field report is that they indeed had what I call a good fact sheet. I want to tell you, my dear friends, God had fought for these people from the very outset. It was amazing. Going back to the time of their ancestor, Abram, when God said to him, look about. As far as your eye can see and wherever your feet touch, I'm going to give to you and your posterity forever. And God had passed that promise down through uh, Isaac and then Jacob and then Joseph. Uh, These great patriarchs had all carried this promise and conveyed it to the people. What a legacy these people had. A legacy of godliness. Oh, true, there were some scoundrels along the way. But nonetheless, righteousness prevailed. A legacy, a a legacy of righteousness. God had chosen this people and had put his unique mark upon them. You say, well, I, I think I understand what that mark was this special covenantal relationship with God called circumcision. Oh, friends, it was far more than that. It was the unique power and presence of God that marked these people as different from all the nations of the world. And when they lost that special sense of presence, they were just like any other nation. But they had maintained that to a great degree. And then there were the bad years. Those more than, slightly more than 400 years that they had withered under the heavy hand of oppression as slaves in Egypt. And uh, the baking of bricks and the taskmaster's whip on their backs. That was a difficult time. But God hadn't forgotten them. Just as God doesn't forget you in the difficult times of your life. And there came a time when God said, I've heard the cry of my people Israel. And he chose in a unique fashion a special man (laughs) and protected his life in a little uh, boat, a little craft made out of bulrushes. We know he was Moses. And in his providence caused him to be trained by the Egyptians and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. God is putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And there came a time when uh, Moses had to choose, and he chose rightly not to be called any longer the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but a true Israelite. You know the details of the story. Without me going into all of them, he fled for his life. And on the backside of the desert, God visited with him in the form of a burning bush. And he said, Moses, I send you back to your people and you shall lead them forth into their destiny. God is picking up momentum. Be a sense it, friends. God is putting it all together. He said, you go back and tell Pharaoh 
let my people go. Well, that was met with delight on the part of Pharaoh. And so God says, okay, I'll tighten the screws. And there were ten miserable plagues. How? As bad as my wife hates flies? That must have been horrible. She hates frogs even more. And then there was water turned into blood. And and, uh, there were boils. And there was darkness. And each incremental plague was worse than the last. Each time Pharaoh made an empty promise. Okay, you can go. Only to recant and say, no, you can't. Until God says, it's enough. And he instructed the Israelites to go among their flocks and pick a perfect lamb. I want you to slay that lamb, he said. I want you to take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost of your exterior doors. For tonight the death angel will pass over Egypt. And everyone who has the blood applied to the doorpost will be spared. But those who do not believe and obey shall have their firstborn taken, no matter who it is, all the way up to Pharaoh. Oh, the weeping and the wailing that night. But more than that, God said, gird up your loins, get your flocks gathered up together, get ready to move, get ready to travel. And in the morning, Pharaoh called for Moses to appear and essentially said, Get out of here! He drove them out. But here is the amazing thing. God gave them favor with the Egyptians. And they began, this this seems so impossible. They asked for their earrings and their gold. And yes, yes, take it, take it, take it. Yes, take it. And that day God spoiled the Egyptians. You say, that's a little unfair. For 400 and more years, they had labored for absolutely nothing. And these people, Egyptians, had been enriched by their slavery. And God says, I'm going to balance the scales. God has a way of doing that, you know. But more than that, God says, I'm going to need those jewels when it comes time to building the tabernacle and later the, the, uh, the temple. And so God made provision even ahead of time. Well, I'm getting lengthy in all of the story, but it's a lengthy story. They went out and with all of their belongings, their cattle and sheep, what a procession that must have been, and some several million strong, strong perhaps. And they came, you know, to the Red Sea, and there they stood, the Red Sea in front of them, and now here comes recanted Pharaoh with all of his troops, Talk about being between a rock and a hard place. Uh, It was between an ocean and a hard place. But God said 
Speak to my people that they go forward. Go forward? Where? And you know the story. God opened the sea and allowed them to march through on dry ground. I'm just recounting some of the facts of their good fact sheet. I want to tell you, these people had an incredible history. And they marched through on dry ground. And then when Pharaoh pursued after them, he allowed the waters to come over them. And they would see Pharaoh and his army no more. Hallelujah. What a delivery. And then on across they went. How they must have been shouting and rejoicing. And then grumbling. How fickle these people were at times. After God's miraculous deliverance. Well, what are we going to eat? How are we going to survive in this desert? Duh! What has God just done for you? And so they began grumbling about um, what they were to eat. And God sent the provision of manna. You know that. And then they, oh, their appetites were varied and and uh, we have no meat. And God says, I'm going to send you quail until you're sick of quail. I wish he'd send some more back. They're about gone. <laughs> and then there came that moment when they thought they were going to die from, from want of water. And God provided by allowing Moses to strike a rock. And water came gushing forth. And it just goes on. God not only provides all of this, but God leads them forth by a pillar of cloud fire. They didn't have to wonder where to go. God led them with a pillar of cloud fire. What a miraculous thing. Until now, we come to this scene. And I've left out a lot of the details. (laughs) God says, I want you to go up and bring back a field report. And I tell you, they would, if they had been honest, they would have had to have said, we have had a good fact sheet. God has been on our side. Will you say, well, that's all good. Well, what on earth does that have to do with us? My friends, I'm looking out on this congregation, some of whom I recognize very, very well from years past. And even those who are newer, I am here to declare to you that we too have had a good fact sheet. (laughs) Friends, my understanding and, and knowledge of the history of this place, and particularly I'm talking about the Church of God Holiness in um, El Dorado Springs, only dates back to about 42 years ago, 43 years ago. Now, But uh, even before that, God was in this place. Some of those early pastors I I only knew by reputation. Some of them I remember faintly uh, in my youth. But uh, even prior to my coming here, God had brought into the leadership of this church a godly man. Some of you will remember Sam Williams. Sam Williams was was a... a community pastor. He was of this community. What was it? 27 years he faithfully pastored this church? I want to tell you, 
when I came as his successor because he retired, I learned one thing that was so powerful from Sam Williams. I learned how to be, I hope, I learned how to be a retired pastor sitting in the congregation under the leadership of another pastor. And that's a valuable lesson. Not every, pa- every pastor learns that lesson. Selah. <laughs> you know it's true. But he was so supportive. What a great man of God he was. And brought the church to a point where it was ready to take another step. God in His mercy allowed a young punk by the name of Beckham to come to this church as a 32-year-old guy uh, and who felt like he could just conquer the world. <laughs> oh, I, I, I look back and I think, you silly boy. How, how, how did those people put up with you? But those, in spite of all that, it was a good time. Some of the happiest years of my life, by the way. And I'll never forget that little church over on Ohio Street. <laughs> It wasn't much to look at. One of the things that bothered me was the roof line sagged in the middle. I I gave a lot of thought. How can we get that thing straightened out? But I was too busy with other things. And uh, pretty soon God began to give us revival. And numbers were added to the church. And we bought a house across the way for Sunday school rooms. And we bought a house next door. And opened it up for Sunday school rooms. Some of you were around in those days. Those were exciting days. And then it was decided, we've got to do something. We've got to move out of here. And uh, God, in His providence, opened up, a, opened up a field on Park Street that wasn't Park Street at that time. It wasn't out here. All of these houses, they weren't even here. But God made that possible for us. Van, you remember those good days. I think one of the most exciting days, one of the things we wanted to do was to build that first church over now, your fellowship, I I turned around in your fellowship hall, wanted to make that, uh, wanted to make that out of brick. But we were poor back in those days. I mean, even poorer than we think we are now, I'll tell you that for sure. i never forget, can I mention the name, Clarissa Neely, who was our treasurer at the time. Boy, she was a godly woman. And she was so careful. Joe, you'll relate to this. And so I had presented the big plan, you know. And Clarissa came to me and she said, privately, not publicly, she said, Brother Beckham, we can't possibly do this. I said, oh, Clarissa, I think God will supply the need. No, no, Brother Beckham, it's impossible. Just recently we bought, we had to buy a new furnace and we didn't have the money to pay for it and we, we paid for it on time and our payment was $200 a month. And she said, we'd like to never made that. And it's impossible to think now that we can pay for this new building. And by faith, in my presumption and gumption, I said, Clarissa, can I tell you something? This time next year, we're not only going to have, we'll have made these payments, but we're going to be paying way in advance, and we're going to double home missions giving, and we're going to mi- double foreign missions giving at the same time. 
she looked at me like I had lost my mind. How delighted I was to be able at the end of that year to say, Clarissa, where are we in our standing? Brother Beckham, we're way ahead on our payments. I can't believe how God has supplied the need. And we've doubled our foreign missions giving and we've doubled our home missions giving. Praise be to God. That's the way God operates. I think one of the funnest things, some of you were around. We wanted brick. We couldn't afford brick. God, forgive me. I didn't pray for this. But producers' grain burnt down downtown. Ben, were you the one that arranged for that? And, uh, and, and, and then... I think they gave us those bricks. And uh, Wayne Worthington, I think you had, a, you had a few lots over there in that part of town, didn't you? And we had a loader come and load up all of those bricks and put them in, uh, in, uh, in, in trucks and put them over on your property. Mounds of dirty brick. And all the people, the, the most wealthy and the poorest of us would have brick cleaning parties. Dirty! Honey, we got dirty. Our faces were black and smudged. 63,000 brick. We hand cleaned and stacked on pallets. Built the building, the annex, the connecting building, and then sold brick. It was fun. It was amazing. But God met our needs. Now, it wasn't near as exciting as what happened here later. I want to tell you that. But for us, it was exciting. It's probably about all we could stand. And then, and then God brought a wonderful pastor by the name of Kenneth Smith. Some of you were around. I'm sure many of you were. During that time, and I don't know all that went on, but one of the amazing things, you all had the vision of, Planning a Christian school. Eldorado Christian school. What a blessing that has been to this community. It's just astonishing. Without going into all those details then, God was about to bring you into the best years you had ever known. He brought a man clear from Bolivia. <laughs> and his wife Faith. Missionaries. From the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Will always be missionaries but applied that same missionary zeal right here in this community. Isn't it wonderful? You talk about a man. He can close his ears. He's impaired anyway. <laughs> you talk about a man tailored to the needs of this church. And God has so blessed his ministry till what we see is the fruit, not just of his labor, nor any one of us. But oh, we have this beautiful edifice. I, I'll never forget, I had the opportunity of seeing it for the first time, got lost in here. I couldn't quite figure out how everything, how the architect had put that all together was so amazing to me. And uh, somebody asked me, Brother Beckham, do you feel kind of bad that uh, the church you built is now the... Uh, Recreation Hall, the 
dining hall over here. I said, feel bad. I'm, I'm so thrilled. I am so thrilled that it's gone on. And who knows, Joe, that may, they may come when you'll be looking around. Well, this this has got to be educational space. I don't know where it's going to go, but God will lead you. All I'm trying to say, my dear friend, is they had a good fact sheet. And we have a good fact sheet. God has been with us. Amen. I've got to move on. But here's the thing that just shocks me. When they came back, they didn't give that good fact sheet. They gave a gloomy forecast. (laughs) You know what they said? Oh, the land does flow with milk and honey. But the people there, are they live in big cities, well fortified. They're huge people. We're just like grasshoppers. That's the way we feel about ourselves. Oh, I want to just shake them. What? Hasn't God just brought you through the Red Sea? Has He not just provided for your every need amazingly? Have you so soon forgotten? Dear friends, and I say something here. Back in my early days, we preachers were all Bible-thumping, hellfire and brimstone preachers. Brother, we declared the wrath of God! And we were out of balance. But the pendulum has swung clear to the other extreme. And now it's all love. God loves you. And there's not a thing you can do to ever make Him love you less. I learned from the story of Israel that there are things that grieve God. And there are things that make God angry. Like they're grumbling right after they'd crossed the Red Sea. Grumble, 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 grumble. God became angry with their grumbling. Hello? How often do we grumble? Complain. See only negativity. Oh, the times are tough. It made God angry. Oh, I don't have time to go into all of that, but pettiness on the part of Miriam when when Moses married a Cushite woman and, and it had been Moses and Miriam and Aaron, just the three in their little club. And suddenly now here was this usurper. Somebody else was in the circle. Well, (laughs) God didn't like our pettiness either. Our littleness. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. My friend Harold Moole used to say, I can can hear the hardening of the arteries. (laughs) It made God angry when they... So 
soon forsook God after Mount Moriah and, and fashioned a golden calf and said, These be thy gods. It angered God when certain people challenged the leadership of Moses and uh, they influenced about 200 people to go along with them and 250 people and God had to create a big sinkhole, get rid of them. But I don't think there's anything that angers God anymore than just forgetfulness and unthankfulness. Are you here with me this morning? I don't think anything angers God anymore than our just forgetting the amazing thing that God has done for us in the past. And it's an it's a insulting to God. It's a slap in the face when we just simply say, God can't do this. Amen. My time is gone, so I just mention this as I close. In spite of the fact they had a good fact sheet, they gave a gloomy forecast, but God was going to get through all of this clatter and chatter and distraction they would have a glorious future. Hallelujah. I've got to leave you on that note. My dear friends, God has a way of somehow getting around impediments and people who, who are attempting to distract and get in the way and, and, and spread negativity. And... Amen. I've got to tell you this funny story. Some of you will know it was, but it's okay. It's so funny. I'll never forget that time, Brother Joe, when I was made. It was before projectors and all this good technological stuff. We had to resort to whiteboards back in those days. Slides. And so the morning I was to make the presentation, I was all giddy and hipped up and, and uh, over there in the old church. And I was bringing all of my supplies for that presentation. But we had one in the church who, oh, my stars. Fighting that tooth and claw. But I had was all loaded up with this material, and I'm coming through the swinging doors that enter into the sanctuary. And lo and behold, that morning, they were there. They opened those doors for me to walk through. My hands were all full. And about the time I got two-thirds through, they took those doors and went, wham! But we got through it. God prevailed. Friends, can I just say, tell you in closing, I don't have a foggy notion what God is going to do with His people in the next year. But somehow in my heart of hearts, Pastor Joe, I feel that God is going to show you. And I pray that God will help us to have the good sense to follow. 2017 is going to be an amazing year. And oh, friends, God is going to send revival again. And I don't know what we're going to do with our space or the lack thereof, but He'll take care of those details. Because as Israel would go on to conquer new lands, 
and establish a people and do exploits for God. God is not finished with us yet. Hallelujah! He's got an amazing thing He's going to do in the future. And I just know this. I want to hang around to be a part of it and see it happen. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. God bless you. Don't you give... Don't you give a gloomy forecast. The booger man to get you. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together. This wonderful group of people. Father, I pray that you help us to learn the lessons that Israel learned the hard way. May we learn them vicariously. We have a good fact sheet. And I praise God you're going to give us a glorious future. And we're excited to be a part of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.